by the way, paladin for life. I <laughs> love being a paladin. Why paladin? My AC is 19 and I can use shield of faith to make it 21 and nothing can hit me. <laughs> and it is so, so frustrating for my DM, Anthony. He just throws so many monsters directly at me and none of them can touch me. And I'm just like slaying them left and right. And it's just so great. <laughs> so I absolutely Paladin. love that. Uh, Paladins are the best tanks. Paladins are the best tanks. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. How are we doing? Hopefully, you're all well. Welcome to the Forever DM, the Nightwing, to the Batman that is Clash of Quests. Clash of Quests, which streams every Saturday for you guys to enjoy. It's quite a unique D&D game. It's a bunch of Forever DMs that were tired of being Forever DMs that got together and decided to play a game each Forever DM taking us through a chapter in the story. It will take turns. It's super cool. Tune in on Saturdays. Okay, but back to the for, back to the Forever DM, the podcast. We all know that Nightwing is the best character, uh, the, the the best Robin. But we can do a whole podcast about that in a second. Today's guest is the wonderful, the amazing Samson. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Really pleased to be on a podcast. It's been a while since I've recorded one. Okay, cool, cool. So that, that's cool. We'll, we'll we'll ease you back in to the world of podcasts gently. I promise. What edition are you currently playing? I'm currently playing Five E because that's what I have the most experience with. I've been listening to a lot of D and D podcasts as well, so I pick up the rules as I'm listening. So that's what I have the most experience and the most familiarity with. What podcast are you currently listening to? So like, kind of get like. <laughs> So I listen to Critical Role, which everybody obviously listens to. And the great and powerful Matthew Mercer. Yes. The DM that I actually want to be the most like is uh, Murph from Not Another D&D Podcast. I really admire him. I also listen to Dungeons and Daddies, <laughs> which yeah. is not a BDSM podcast. Um, <laughs> It's sometimes a BDSM podcast, but it's mostly not a BDSM podcast. I feel like that's, um, that's the same way as you say that most D&D games aren't a BDSM D&D game, but some of them have it. They usually have elements that stray well, into a slightly <laughs> obscure world. They did also have one episode that was specifically a BDSM podcast episode. And then I also listened to The Adventure Zone, which is what got me into D&D in the first place. Because I used to not actually like D&D. It had too many bad memories for me. It was too related to uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine, so I didn't want to get into it, but I got into the Adventure Zone and then just kind of snowpiled from there. That's really cool. So, like, you managed to separate those two things. Yeah, and yeah. Really, that's, yeah, actually, do you know what? That's, the, that's really awesome. Did you find that, obviously, like you say, you didn't want to dive in because it, it kind of had that, that connotation, but are you kind of glad that you've dived into D&D? Like, is it, is it helped you? Yeah. Ordinarily in spring, I would be part of a dragon boating team where I would paddle on a boat that's shaped like a dragon. And I'm very, very passionate about that. And it got okay. canceled this year. So instead of dragon boating, which I'm very, very passionate about, I had to put my passion somewhere and decided that I wanted to DM instead and started DMing my own campaign. And like, I just have pages upon pages of notes about like all of my characters and like my plans for them. And I don't want to like share too much about my future plans for the campaign That's... just because I don't want to spoil it for them in case they <laughs> listen to this. 
Like, well, I mean, they, 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 of course they're going to listen to this. But of course we, they uh, are. <laughs> of course they are. So we, we, won't, we won't give away the fact that it's a mind flayer. But don't tell them. It's, it's fine. <laughs> they, 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 they won't know at all. So you're a prepper. So that, yes. that's, that's one of the questions that we ask. So how are you with improv? Do you find yourself that you, you need to prep? I kind of just get really, really passionate about prepping. I don't necessarily feel like I need to more. So I'm just very, very excited to make plans for what it will happen next. So I tend to prep at least three or four sessions in advance and have like various different options for like what my characters are going to choose to do and then try to improvise off of that. But I do know that improv is not my strong point. (laughs) That's fine. It's not everyone's strong point by a, by a, by a country mile. So what do you do though, when the, the characters go left instead of right? So far, most of my characters kind of going left rather than right is they tend to follow my bard player. That character is very non-violent and doesn't necessarily want to get into fights. So anytime there's some kind of peaceful resolution, they try to take it. So I've kind of had to like roll with the punches that way with like standard enemy character be doing instead now that my bard is trying to get them to like be an upstanding member of society. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. So you literally have a a group of players that are the opposite of murder hobos. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a unique situation to be in. I'm pretty sure a a bunch of DMs (laughs) listening will be just just gutted right now. (laughs) Like wishing that they could be in your situation. We obviously we can't talk about the, the, the future, but is there anything that you've done so far being a DM that you've been super proud of? Like, with that kind of drop-the-mic moment? Definitely a drop-the-mic moment was when they met an NPC of mine who's a gold dragon. I've named him Yovgarel. He is part of a secret society, and he keeps koi in a pond. So them coming into his cavern and kind of getting this description of, like, this mesa in the middle of this cavern where there's light shining through the top, and there's koi coming in this pond and then water spilling off the sides of the mesa. That was definitely a moment where like I was shaking and all of my players were shaking. <laughs> that's, that's really cute. I, I really dig that. That's pretty cool. Being a heavy prepper, where do you get your inspiration from? It's definitely heavily based on what my players decide as like their backstory or like what they're interested in. I homebrewed some items specifically for all of my characters just as ways to help them out throughout the campaign because I realized that they were kind of getting beat up a little more than I wanted them to. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit harsher than I intended. <laughs> But they're doing pretty well, and I'm ramping up the difficulty at this point because they are now level five. I came up with the world that I've homebrewed for this campaign when I was in high school, at least like 12 years ago. Um, So you've been working on this for a while then? I've been working on this for a long time, and I've been trying and trying and trying to write a novel, and it never comes out. So at a certain point, I was like, well, I have all these ideas, I have all these notes, I have all these drawings and all these maps, I might as well just make this into a D&D world. Totally. Completely elaborate it based on that. So that's kind of where I get most of my ideas is like all these ideas that I had when I was like 16 and 17. So you literally had a pre-built world just ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got all the maps still and everything. 
That's really cool. Like that's actually quite unique. Like I've had, um, I had a DM once that was, that started to write a book and then kind of, he hit a wall with it. Uh, and then he started playing D&D and all he did was convert his notes into the next few chapters. Exactly. He literally used his players to write a book. It's uh, fantastic. <laughs> I don't think it's been published yet, but it was such, an, it was such a great idea. But yeah, no, it's, I like that. I like the fact that you had the world sort of, you know, like ready to go. So like being, being a new DM, did you, was there any like specific challenges that you came up against? Definitely the challenge rating has been difficult so far because I had a tendency to overpopulate my fights at the beginning um, and then realized that my characters weren't thriving in that kind of environment, (laughs) to say the least, and then kind of scaled that back to the point where it was a little too easy and kind of became tedious. So at this point, I'm really studying challenge rating and figuring out how to change stat blocks uh, so that monsters seem fair, but are also interesting to fight. There's a really good, uh, it slips my mind, it's Cobalt, I think it's called Cobalt Dungeon, I think it is. Copal okay. something, which you can, you literally just pop in the amount of players that you have and it gives you a good CR rating of things that you can throw them up against. And it's like easy, medium and hard. Totally throw you the link to that when we finish. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. It's super handy. If you just need something on the fly, you literally just put like, I've got like five players and then it will say you can throw them up against this, which is going to be easy, this medium, this hard, this, which is like, you know, total party kill, which, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to do what you got to do. No, you <laughs> Okay, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, like, how long have you been DMing for? I have been DMing since, I think, mid-March. And the real reason I got into DMing was because I started a campaign with a guy. Suffice to say, he was bad enough at DMing that I kind of decided that I could do better. (laughs) That is a lot of way that people become DMs, believe it or not. Yes, yeah. There's a strong contingent of that. Yeah, I've heard that that was kind of the origin story for Matthew Mercer as well. So I kind of feel like I'm following in some good footsteps here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you heard of the Mercer effect? I believe I've heard of it, but I would have you explain it before I yeah, elaborate for sure. on that. So the Mercer effect, in short, is that a lot of people watch Critical Role. A lot of people watch Critical Role and then immediately yes. go out to try and find D&D groups. So then mm-hmm. when these players sit down, they expect the DM to be Matthew Mercer. And it's right. called the Merc effect. And from the other side, DMs kind of feel like they don't really achieve much unless they're doing everything that Mercer does. So what's your, what's your opinion on the Mercer effect? I've kind of come to the understanding that I'm never going to be as good at uh, role play. I'm never going to be as good at improv, all of that. So I kind of just strive to be better as much as I can be, not really worry about it too much and kind of figure like as long as my players are having fun, then that's really all that matters. That right there, just before, just before you go on, that is the most important thing. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, Dungeons and Dragons is a game. RPGs are games. They're role-playing games. Like, it's in the title. As long as your players are having fun and you're having fun, that's all that matters. Yeah, and that's definitely how I feel. With this other DM that I was playing under, I wasn't having fun because he was running a module that's supposed to be super hard and he was making it even more difficult on us and, like, didn't make that clear from the start and, like, kept us at level one all the way through session six, threw us in a 20-foot deep hole and, like, none of us had the hit points to withstand a 20-feet deep hole and just, like, stuff like that where he killed off my character without really caring about it and didn't really know the characters' names or classes very well and, like, really wasn't paying attention to any of that. 
that. That's kind of where I was like, definitely I can do better than that. At least I know my characters' names. <laughs> like as a, as a real base starting point, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> You've only been DMing for a little while, but have you found that it's helped you in other areas of your life? Like have you managed to sort of channel those DM skills in, in, uh, in other situations? I haven't really necessarily felt that effect just yet, just because like I've really only just gone back to work after everything got shut down. Like my city has kind of just opened up at this point. So I haven't really been doing a lot of social stuff or anything like that. But, you know, at some point, I'm sure I'm sure I'll feel some effects from it. There's an odd side effect of being a DM. And it kind of gives you this this extra sort of orb, if you like, of power. So it means that it means that you can channel those DM skill, skills. Like if you're not particularly social, if you find yourself struggling in social situations, a lot of people like it really helps them because they've been DMing and they're used to playing that character of a DM. They can just slide into being a DM, and it, it that it really helps. There's a huge push at the moment of running D and D games for players that also have social, like social anxiety, for instance. Like mm-hmm. it really really helps them so yeah like it's a like like touching on the whole uh, the mental health side of things like dnd is crazy good for that so yeah i like to see if, if people have have kind of experienced that uh, i think it's a it's a really good like hopefully you kind of get a little bit of a, a side glow from being a dm <laughs> i mentioned that i dragon boat usually in the spring and like i i've been a coach for dragon boating for so long that like any social anxiety that i had beforehand has kind of just disappeared entirely sure. anyways <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's a, that's a, yeah, there, there is that. I love the fact that you did Dragon Bowing before, and then when that got cancelled, immediately your your mind just went Dragon, Dragon, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> just anything gotta Dragon. Be, yeah, it got to be dragons in my life. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, can't 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 be doing with a summer without dragons. Yeah. Uh, okay, now that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, so as for your players, you know they may or may not listen to this, but. Have you got any like rules for your players? Like things like having phones or cell phones at the table, things like that. Is there anything? I, we do everything digitally. I, I'm playing with two people who live in my city or three people who live in my city now uh, because we added a fifth player. And then one person who is up north in Seattle and then another person who's in Michigan three hours ahead of us. So we've got kind of a wide array of people. So we play everything digitally. I don't necessarily have any like table rules or anything like that, just because if my players need to look something up on their phone, I'm not really going to stop them. You know, like looking up spells and stuff like that. Like I have to look up spells. I always have the player's handbook right, right next to me when I'm playing anyways. Oh, that will never change. Yeah. Like it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how long you've been DMing for, that player's handbook will always be within reach. Oh, yeah. Like, always. Mine's literally behind me. Like, it's, it, it's right there. Like, even when I'm not playing. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's, just like a, it's a comfort. Yeah, I actually... Um, my newest player is playing a sorcerer, which he's never played before. So I actually brought my player's handbook over to him yesterday. Uh, our dogs got to hang out. And... <laughs> He was looking through the player's handbook, looking at spells and stuff like that, because he hasn't picked out any 
spells yet. And he was like, so what does this one do? And like off the top of my head, I was just reciting what the spells do because I spend my spare time reading them. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll like wake up at three in the morning and like not have to leave for work until seven and just like spend hours like writing notes on my D&D campaign and like looking up spells and like looking at certain rules and like looking at magic items and just all that stuff. Well, I can I can think of numerous players that would absolutely love you as a DM. <laughs> that prep work is impressive. I like it. I dig it. I, I, I love DMs that go hardcore on prep, mainly because it's the opposite of what I do. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a, a, I'd say a 50, 55% prepper. Everything yeah. else is, is open and improv. Just, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed. Okay, so what's been your... What's been your favorite monster to run? My go-to low-key villain. I, hmm, I've been using a lot of kobolds. I did really enjoy my kobold sorcerers because they, they almost TPK'd my party. <laughs> I had two of them and then I had like six other kobolds, just regular kobolds. And those kobold sorcerers were just hard enough that two of my players went down and were making death saving throws. So I really enjoyed those, but also like got scared. <laughs> but I I have stuff that is kind of like half regular stat block and then half I've kind of homebrewed what I'm nice. thinking of with the stat block. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff coming up. So I'm really excited about those, but I can't necessarily like share what any of them are so far. No, 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 uh, that's fine. <laughs> but one of my players is also interested in DMing. So we talk about DM stuff kind of behind the scenes. So like anything that their character already knows so far, I kind of go a little more in depth on. That's good. So what, what sort of advice have you been giving them? The latest thing I told them was related to kind of homebrewing enemies uh, where like you don't necessarily have to use the stat block. You can kind of mix and match. I definitely like have stuff in the works that uh, is specifically a mishmash of different stat blocks. So that's kind of like what I told them most recently. You can just kind of have fun with it and make them more difficult, make them easier if you want to, you know? No, it's, it's 100%. You can, you can do whatever you want. Not every kobold is, you know, created the same. Yeah. Like, they're all going <laughs> to be slightly different. That, uh, that website, by the way, is, it's, it's Kobold Fight Club. Sorry, it came back to me. But I'll, I'll, so, I'll totally send you a link to that. You'll find that super helpful. Yeah, um, I would love that. So what's the best piece of advice that you've been given so far as a DM? It's actually related to the Mercer effect. I have a friend who's DMing a campaign that I'm a paladin in, and by the way, paladin for life. I <laughs> love being a paladin. Why paladin? My AC is 19, and I can use Shield of Faith to make it 21, and nothing can hit me. <laughs> and it is so, so frustrating for my DM, Anthony. He just throws so many monsters directly at me, and none of them can touch me. And I'm just, like, slaying them left and right, and it's just so great. <laughs> so I absolutely Paladin. love that. Uh, Paladins are the best tanks. Paladins are the best tanks. Like, he's got 17 hit points, and he uses them to his as much as he possibly can. I regularly get down to like two hit points and then use Shield of Faith and then nothing else touches me for the entire rest of the battle. <laughs> have you seen the, um, the picture of Terry Crews uh, as a paladin? I have not. So Terry, Terry Crews is a big RPG fan in a way. There's a great episode where Terry Crews plays a 
Warhammer? I'm sure it's a Warhammer game. It's a, it's a one-shot Warhammer with Matthew Mercer, in fact. But someone, someone painted this picture of Terry Crews as a paladin. It's like when you pour all your stats into charisma and strength. It's, uh, it's, it's a magnificent image. It will, uh, it will stay with you. Yeah, I got to look that up. But yeah, as I was saying, though, the DM Anthony that I'm playing with, he told me when I was first starting DMing that not everybody is going to be Matthew Mercer. And I needed to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely the best advice I've gotten so far. Like you are your own DM. Like yeah. it's super important. So Mercer's campaigns tend to be quite RP heavy, but mm -hmm. you will get players that don't like to RP. They, yeah. they, they, they just don't, or they can't, or, you know, they just might prefer combat. And, you know, Mercer's combats are great, but then you've also got to look at Colville. Colville is an amazing DM, but Colville's players would not want to play in Mercer's campaign. And right. I'm pretty sure, who was it? Might have been Jaffe that said that he wouldn't, he wouldn't enjoy Colville's game as much. Like you are, you are your own DM and that's super important. You have your own strengths. Is there any other RPGs that you're looking forward to playing or do you think you're going to stick to D&D to, to for a while? I'm definitely, I'm thinking about playing the Warren at some point. And this is literally like, I woke up in the middle of the night and had the instant thought Watership Down, but TTRPG and had to look it up and found the warren and immediately bought it just because okay. i love watership down so much and like read it when i was really young one of the most horrific movies on the face <laughs> of the planet that is a nightmare thing. oh <laughs> god like yeah what, what parents shows that to a child like because i was the same i watched that as a kid as well like i'm pretty sure that my parents just saw bunnies and was like yeah this will be fine for him <laughs> Well, it's that and Plague Dogs. Like, Richard Adams just really, you know, he, he wrote books about animals and all the animals die. Like, it's it's something else. But I've I've definitely, like, I've looked at The Warren and really want to play that at some point. I'm really interested in the Monster of the Week system that the McRoys played uh, in Taz Amnesty because that also seems interesting. And both of those games are played with 2D6 rather mm -hmm. than like with the full range of dice, which seems like an interesting thing to try and do as well. And the Dungeons and Daddies folks did a three session arc of Call of Cthulhu, which seemed really interesting. Um, uh, Call of Cthulhu is my favorite RPG to <laughs> It's, I can, uh, in fact, everyone, I think every yeah, I, I ran a, a Call of Cthulhu for for our players, and uh, it's I kid you not, there is nothing more addictive than frightening the bejesus out of your players. I feel like my own personal talents might not lend themselves super well to Call of Cthulhu, but I'm still interested in like learning more about it. So this is kind of a tip from me to the. It works really well in Call of Cthulhu, but it works really well in D and D as well. Never underestimate the value of a good pause <laughs> the pause is incredibly powerful so for you know say for instance the players kick down the door so they're like boom you're like yeah okay so they kick down the door the door slams to the side you find yourself in a room and then you just watch them panic <laughs> <laughs> like, what's in the room <laughs> the room is well lit 
Yeah, you can't underestimate. And that works even better in Call of Cthulhu when everything's just out to get you. Oh, absolutely. I bet. I got to keep that in mind. Call of Cthulhu, it's a great system. It's super fun. There's a... Uh, Doors to Darkness. If you ever if you ever play, buy buy Doors to Darkness. It's five pre built scenarios, and okay. all of them are fantastic. But yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. I haven't heard of the Warren. I'm kind of down for playing the Warren, just because because of Warship Down. <laughs> it's it's interesting because they have one playbook that they play out of, rather than like Monster of the Week having separate playbooks. And I think the thinking behind that is that they're all just rabbits. Like, they're just going to be rabbits. There's not, like, specific rabbit types necessarily or anything. But there's a long list of moves that every character can take. And I haven't looked super thoroughly at any of that, but I am really interested in, like, possibly playing that at some point. And I've had a couple of people who are not in my current campaign who are really interested in playing with me, I think, because they want a DM and, like, can't find one. And I'm going yeah. to end up as a forever DM. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say congratulations and welcome to the club. Uh, yeah. You'll get your membership card through the post within the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, the, the dreaded forever DM. Uh, it's definitely a thing. It's fine though because you've already beaten the curve. You're already training someone else up to be a DM in the background. So you might, you might just get away with it. For the final section of this, uh, it's all about you. It's all. It's been about you for the entire thing. But this is. Less you as a DM uh, and uh, more you as Sam. Okay. So I've given you no prior warning to this. I need to make that incredibly clear to anyone that's listening. I want you to recommend a book, a movie, and a TV series for people to to watch, read, listen. Um, You know, most of us are still in lockdown. We've got not much else to do. So what are your recommendations? For a book, I highly highly recommend anything by Tamara Pierce. Okay. Um, And I can't really pick anything specific just because I love all of her books so much. I own every single book she's written. But she's got two different series. Um, There's one that's the Circle of Magic series, and then there's the other one that is based in this world called Tortal. And either one of those, um, there's just like multiple books in each series and um they're about various different characters and she is trying harder and harder to be more and more diverse and inclusive in each of her books you can actually see her grow as an author because she started writing in the 80s because she didn't see enough fantasy books for girls so she decided to write them herself but definitely definitely recommend any book by her for movie this is just like a personal like this is one of my favorite movies but i really like the movie mirror mask it's done by the jim henson company i believe or at least related but so the guy who did the illustrations for Coraline, i'm blanking on his name right now but he also did the illustrations for mirror mask Um, And it's a really, really artsy film and did not have a very high budget. So all of the CGI just like looks really fantastical and stuff and like doesn't look at all realistic. But it's about this girl who travels into a mirror world uh, in her dreams to save the queen who kind of represents her mother who has cancer. I don't think it's ever explicitly stated that she has cancer, but heavily implied 
heavily, heavily implied, but she goes into this mirror dream world and she deals with the Dark Queen trying to steal her away and make her into her own daughter. And she has to kind of like escape and defeat her. And it's a really, really good movie. And it's very similar in feel to Paprika by, I believe, Satoshi Khan. But they're both like very, very heavily about dreams. And then the third one was a TV series. Yeah, I, I'm um, kind of intrigued by Miramas. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really down <laughs> for that. I love Coraline. So like that was as soon as you said Coraline, yeah. I was like, okay. Um, uh, Dave McKean, that's his name. Dave okay. McKean. Um, he did all of the illustrations for Miramask as well. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll definitely, uh, definitely add that to the list. Uh, yeah, so TV series, what are you going with? TV series. Um, gosh, you know, I just keep re-watching Grace and Frankie. <laughs> um, I haven't heard of Grace and Frankie. What's Grace and Frankie? It's, it's on Netflix. It's like a Netflix exclusive. It's about these two older women who their husbands are lawyers who work together and their husbands leave them for each other. Uh, okay. because they they discover that they're gay and that they're in love with each other so they leave their wives for each other so that they can marry each other and the two wives end up leave, living in a beach house together and at first they kind of like hate each other but then they slowly become friends and it's just like it's drama every single episode and like all the characters are really great and funny <laughs> i i'm in Okay, I've literally just finished a series, so I'm down for that. Um, all right, fantastic. I like, that's been amazing. So we've got one final question for you. Um, okay. And if you thought the, the, the judgment was going to be heavy uh, on the last, sort of, you know, the movies and books, it's nothing <laughs> compared to the judgment on this one. Dirty Dancing or Footloose? Oh, God, Dirty Dancing. I haven't even seen Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a slightly biased opinion. I mean, you know, you need to watch Footloose. Uh, but okay, don't, no, don't. I, I know I have to watch Footloose. I've had it on my list for years at this point, but my list is like at least three pages long. <laughs> I am not <laughs> very good at watching <laughs> movies. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Dirty Dancing. I watched it when I was really young and just like grew up watching it and saw it in the theaters a couple of years ago because there was a special feature of it and like just was really excited to see it in theaters. Um, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, right, well, that, that, kind of, uh, that kind of wraps it up. Um, thank you so much, dude. Like this has been fantastic, super chill. Like I, I wish you all the luck uh, on your journey uh, as, being a, as, as being a dungeon master. It's super fun. It's one of the best hobbies <laughs> to have. Like, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about it, and like, I'm always learning more about it. Yeah, never, never stop. Like, like honestly, like, just, just, just get lost on YouTube. Like, there's so <laughs> many great, like Matthew Colville, for instance. Like, he tends to come up quite a lot. Definitely someone that you need to check out. But yeah, like, enjoy your journey as a dungeon master. You seem like you've got most of it down already. The fact that you're a heavy prep, prepper is going to do you miles and miles of good. But yeah, thank you so much for uh, thanks so much for for chatting to me today, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on. All right, folks, that's that's sadly that's oh I hate the end. Uh, okay, that's that's sadly the uh, the end for us today, folks. 
uh, yeah, please check out that Twitch stream on Saturday, Clash of Quests, where you get to watch a bunch of Forever DMs try to run a game for other Forever DMs. We will see you next time. Be lucky, folks. Bye-bye now.